0: Welcome to the Startup of the Year podcast, where each episode we showcase exciting new companies from around the world. This podcast is produced by Established, creators of the Startup of the Year program. Established is focused on helping organizations with their innovation, startup, and communication strategies.
1: Hello, everybody. I'm Frank Gruber, and I'm back again with the Startup of the Year podcast. Today, we've got a special episode focused on... U.S. Veterans. I'm going to be uh, joined by two veteran founders, Blake Hall and Kimberly Citizen. Both have started some amazing companies and worked. They've worked on them for about a decade each. But first, we're excited to announce our Dot U.S. Veteran Start of the Year, which will be awarded at the eighth annual Start of the Year Summit, produced by Established, which will take care, take place in the fall. We'll have ten companies of our top 100 semifinals finalists, which will compete for the Dot U.S. Veteran Start of the Year. Which basically allows one of those ten companies to win 10000 dollars of non-dilutive cash from .us. It also doesn't preclude them from getting additional prizes from the start of the year competition itself. So if you're interested, if you're if you know a veteran-founded company or you're a veteran yourself and you have a startup, or you're a spouse or dependent of a veteran, you can apply by going to soty.link forward slash soty us vet. Again, it's soty.link forward slash us vet. Uh, we really appreciate all the, all those that have served, um, including my, I've got my brother and other family members that have served. And we really appreciate everything you've done to um, help this country. And we wanted to produce a, a competition that would help shine a light on some amazing U.S. veteran founders. So thank you all for your support and everything you've done. And uh, hopefully we can help you uh, with your startup as well through this program. Aside from that, .us is also proud proud to support established in our community. So we've got a thriving community made up of veterans, entrepreneurs, startup teams, industry leaders, thought leaders that all make a difference around the world. And so we're really proud to be able to say, hey... We're going to give you a, a chance to, to take some of your ideas and turn them into action and uh, give you a free .us domain and website uh, builder. So if you've got an idea that you're, you've been sitting on, um, sit on it no more. <laughs> you can go over to soty.link forward slash us domain and you can obtain a free domain right away and get started on that next thing. That's a that's a fun one as well. So, two programs, both uh, focused on um, you know creating new things and, and showcasing and shining uh, on a light on on these veterans. And so, um, we've got a couple of amazing veteran entrepreneurs on the call today. Um, the first one is Blake Hall. He's the founder of ID IDMe, which is a digital identification platform which uh, allows individuals to verify their online identity and receive discounts and benefits. So. Similar to um, back in the day, it was like Open ID and some of these other protocols. Uh, Facebook has kind of its own uh, protocol for signing in. This is kind of extends outside of that, almost like a real ID for the internet. And you know, it works with first responders, military, students, teachers, um, a lot of different organizations. And uh, Blake's Blake's been at this for about a decade now, um, but he comes from a a, uh, a background that that kind of uh, you know speaks for itself he, he was awarded a bronze star uh for leading men in a fair firefight of insurgents um and he he ended up saving uh 20 americans lot american lives while in battle so uh, he's done he's done a lot for this country and um and after he got out he had obtained his mba from um harvard and, and since then started this company he's he's down in uh, washington dc so blake how's it going you want to jump in and share some some updates on what you're up to
0: Sure. So uh, I credit the Army for introducing me to both entrepreneurship and identity. I was a reconnaissance platoon leader. So I had three scout teams, battalion snipers. And uh, two weeks before we went into combat in Iraq, this is back in 2006, had a bunch of, uh, or some three letter agencies that came in and said, you know, forget everything that you've learned about. Uh, precision engagement and uh, reconnaissance—you're going to be more like a high-value target SWAT team—and uh, gave us some pretty cool equipment where we could uh, we could target um, senior insurgent leadership. So I spent the next 15 months uh, leading my uh, my group, and we were hunting uh, mostly Al Qaeda vehicle bomb ne- networks that were killing a lot of people over there, and. Uh, it was just uh, an amazing mission. I had a wonderful group of guys and you know the short and sweet is we went from being not very good when we first started to being uh, among the top performing units in the Iraqi theater uh, in terms of our mission and, and targeting some of that senior leadership cadre and uh, and then you know it might not be uh, intuitive but when I, uh, when I went to Harvard Business School after I left the army, I realized that identity theft and being able to prove who you are online is a huge issue. And that um, everything that i learned about hunting, you know, terrorists who are swapping their SIM cards and changing their phones and all this other stuff, normal people have the exact opposite pattern of life. Like you don't change your SIM card all the time. You're not changing you know, your phone more than two or three years. And, uh, and if you can tap into that, you can have a much more effective and secure identity verification process um, than you could, you know, using like questions and answers, many of which have now been compromised by breaches. And so uh, that experience in the military over those 15 months in Iraq in 2006, 2007, provided the foundation for uh, my you know, uh, introduction and entree into identity as the CEO of
1: ID. Interesting. No, that's really interesting how that kind of led into it. Um, for others that are, are out there that are, are in the army or military or, or veterans, um, can you share anything that kind of helped you once you got out to kind of get going?
0: Man, there's so much, um, you know, I think what the military really gave me, And I credit this to ranger school really is just the importance of grit. Um, The one thing that I learned about myself during ranger school was that I would never give up. Um, I I distinctly remember this moment where I was jumping into Florida phase, I had like poison ivy all over my body. I had had bronchitis. I felt miserable. And I I remember thinking like, I really don't care if my chute opens or not. And uh, so, but, uh, but it was at that moment that I realized I was so broken down. I realized, you know what, I will, I will never quit. I will literally die before I'll quit. And, uh, that grit along with what, uh, the military taught me about how to iterate and to learn. If you put those two things together and you're able to learn really quickly and you, you have the perseverance and grit to stay the course, that's. Those are the fundamental ingredients of a, su- of a successful entrepreneur.
1: I couldn't agree with you more. That grid is important and, and just knowing uh, that you can get through it. Um, that's important. Uh, I'm sorry about that. That sounds terrible. <laughs> uh, sounds like a terrible um, experience when you're thinking through um, their parachute situation. Um, okay, so let's let's kind of dive into your today like tell us a little i think people want to know like how do you 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 tell us a little bit more about your company and then let's dive into like your day to day so ID.me, you, you talked a little bit about that but share where they're at it's it's kind of evolved and changed over time since we first met and i would love to hear like kind of where it's at
0: yeah so um, ID.me effectively is a digital wallet and you know we're hesitant to use that term cuz digital wallets are so tied up with payments But what we realized is that it's the driver's license aspect of identity and and some of the other ID cards that you would have in your wallet if you're a student or military that are really meaningful for you to get access to things, Um, right? So like your student ID can get you physical access to a dormitory. It can also get you 10% off at Chipotle. Um, Same thing with a military ID card. It can get you like 10% off at Home Depot. It can get you physical access to a military installation. So... um, so what we've really done is we've created this digital wallet. And once we created that, there's this question of, well, what kind of ID cards can this wallet hold? And so we went through a certification process um, with the uh, the federal government um, and the Quintera Initiative, which is this assessment company. And the short suite is that we are the only um, identity provider that's certified to issue um, a NIST uh IAL2 credential, and I won't get into to like the parlance other than to say that if you're familiar with like Real ID at the DMVs, it's like the digital equivalent of a driver's license in that respect. And once it's tied to your wallet, you can go anywhere where ID.me is accepted and simply log in as a consumer without having to reprove who you are or to set up another password or to enroll into multi-factor authentication um, so we're at Veterans Affairs, we're at California DMV, uh, we're at the city of San Diego, um, and this is just for legal identity. And what's really cool is, you know, if you go through an experience with California DMV and you happen to be a veteran, which a lot of Californians are, then when you get over to VA, you'll see that ID.me is also available as a login. Um, and we are adding uh, three additional huge federal agencies to our network by the end of this month um, that service between 50 to 60 million Americans per year. So that's, that's really exciting. And then
1: that is, yeah. Wow. And yeah. I, I actually, can I interject for a second? Yeah, of course. So why doesn't the internet adopt this? I feel like we need this so like on the internet, just so that people aren't trolling each other and people have a real identity and can't hide behind those kind of fake, you know, whatever, fake people, fake news, all that kind of stuff.
0: Well, I think it's a great question because people have hated passwords for a long time and people have wanted more trust, you know, and to get rid of trolls for a long time. But it turns out that identity is one of the hardest challenges to solve because um, you need multiple stakeholders coordinating around a common network and standard in order to solve it. Um, It took Visa three decades from the late 1950s until the 80s, until they got to enough merchants where they had enough cardholders to get every merchant, enough merchants to be meaningful and useful to all cardholders and getting through that chicken and egg platform of like, how do you start Visa is really difficult. And that's essentially the challenge that we've had to solve as a company.
1: Yep. That makes sense. Okay. So let's dive into the next question, which is how does somebody like you do that? Like how do you perform every day?
0: Yeah, sure. So, um, so my just like routine daily, I'll wake up around 7am and I've got uh, three kids. The youngest one is three months old. So um, I'm up with the five and the three year- old and turning on cartoons. and making breakfast for them and just kind of hanging out. Um, our nanny comes to the house at eight o'clock and that frees me up. so I usually grab some coffee, commute into the office. I'll listen to podcasts and things like that. Um, I love uh, I love like Tim Ferriss in particular and some of the guests that he has on. It's just amazing, you know the insights. Um, once I get in, I'll, I'll, you know, sit down, I'll circle up with, um, especially if it's like a Monday, I'll circle up with different members of my executive team, both catching up one-on-one and then having a meeting so that I understand where everyone's at, if anyone's running into, you know, issues. And then I, you know, get into like my day-to-day triage of like, what are those, you know, tasks that I might be working on. I'm usually super busy where my, uh, my executive assistant has to remind me to eat around lunch. So she'll usually send me a text to say, can I grab lunch for you? Um, and it's, especially as we're in like hyper growth, I mean, even like going to the bathroom, sometimes I'm like, Oh my God, like I, <laughs> I need like five minutes. Um, and, uh, and then what I try to do um, is I try to get some gym time in sometime after lunch. Like when you have a little bit of an energy dip, um, that's a great time for me to just be like, okay, like I use my, my highest functioning kind of mental acuity hours in the morning on the most important stuff. And then when my energy dips, like, let me go get, you know, workout in, in the gym, get a little boost. And then I try to, um, on Mondays and Wednesdays, I try to get home by four o'clock, um, to spend time with my kids. My wife's a surgeon. So, um, so she works late those days and then Tuesdays and Thursdays, she were, I work late and then she comes back early. Uh,
1: and then she works a half day on Friday. So Friday's like my flex day if I need to go along. Gotcha! Wow, so you juggle—that's great. Yeah, make it make it look at easy. easy. Um, but remember to eat and go to the bathroom; those are important. Uh, <laughs> but I hear you; I totally I understand yeah. what you're yep. saying. Um, so, okay, let's uh, let's talk about ID.me now. And do you call it ID.me still or ID? Uh, ID.me. Um, ID me, Okay. Yeah. You don't, there's a silent dot. Yep. Um, <laughs> me. <IDMe. laughs> okay. Um, can you walk us through just like, if you were going to like send, sign somebody up, what's the user experience like and and can anybody, like, what do you focus on? You mentioned education, military. What are the areas now that you're working through?
0: Yeah, of course. So, um, so the account process works, you know, if you're familiar with Facebook connect or Google plus, it's the exact similar thing, you know, you start with the password and then you can lock your account down with multi-factor authentication like a code generator app or your phone number and a six-digit code, you know, whatever. So that's, that's like just how you create an account. Um, we acquire uh, about 90% of our users on third-party sites. So if you go to apple.com and you go down in the footer and you see their military and veteran program and you click that link, you'll see that we power the military and veteran verification where Apple gives discounted price points to wow. military folks and to veterans. That's great. Um, that's great. What's cool is that since we're 10 years into this thing, um, of all the users who are going through that flow, 82% of them at Apple were pre-verified in IDV's network. (laughs) So we've reached like really, really meaningful, critical mass. Uh, we have, we have 20 million users. We sign up over 30,000 users a day. And based on some of these new federal agencies and stuff that are coming on board, we expect that number to triple to, to about 90 to hundred thousand users a day. Um, we are doing some really meaningful work in healthcare. So we've credentialed about 10% of the active um, healthcare providers who have um, prescription authority to prescribe a controlled substance like a narcotic. And in that flow, um, those providers have to verify their identity against the NIST standards that I referenced earlier, but then they have to provide um, identifiers that let us know that they're a healthcare provider. It's not enough to know that, you know, Frank is Frank or Blake is Blake. The question is, is this person also a medical professional? And so we'll collect like their DEA number and their NPI number. Uh, We'll do a call to Health and Human Services to say, hey, are are these numbers valid? And do they correspond to the person who we just verified? And if they do, then we provision uh, that individual's medical credentials within the IDB wallet. So, um, it'll, it'd be like their, uh, their status as a doctor, um, that they, uh, that they have a valid DEA number that allows them to prescribe and we'll authenticate that provider to, um, different electronic healthcare record platforms, like Allscripts or practice fusion or change healthcare. And we'll say, look, this is a healthcare provider. Um, you know, maybe they, they live in Maryland, they're an oncologist, they're in a DEA approved session. If they wanna prescribe a narcotic to a patient online, they can go ahead and do that. And at that point, we're out of the loop. Um, whatever happens within the application that we authenticate to is, is totally between that app and that user. But we we are the trust layer and really an identity utility that allows that application to know that that they can trust that the user is who they're claiming to be. And so, so what's cool is that, um, after that person's been enrolled, that healthcare provider can go anywhere else across IDB's network and seamlessly log in as long as the access policy is, is less strict than, uh, than what the DEA requires to prescribe drugs online, which,
1: which virtually... Uh, every application is less strict than the DMO. Wow, so. that's really great, and so it kind of leads into right now, like this, you know, current situation with the cor- coronavirus and you know the economic impact that that's happening. I mean, it seems like you're j- diving right in an area that's pretty important. <laughs> so with healthcare, um, I wanted to ask, how have you ch- have you changed your company recently due to any economic or market um, volatility that that we've seen because of it?
0: You know, we're We're very fortunate in that, um, we're largely insulated from, um, from what's going on with COVID and we're in a position to help because we support, um, the public sector and healthcare clients and things like that. So if anything, um, we're seeing more transactions move online and and we're having to staff up and hire, you know, faster. Um, we've also, we've also did a really cool partnership with Slack, um, to help healthcare providers. There was uh, an LA based emergency room uh, physician and she issued a public cry for help in a New York Times article because she said, I'm trying to get all this information about how to fight you know, COVID from Twitter and Facebook. And she had a story where like, there were two patients in the emergency room, the nurse triaged them as like having GI issues. They were you know, vomiting and things like that. And when she got in there, she realized that they were actually COVID patients and she wasn't wearing any protective gear. So she's like, you know, there's got to be a better forum so that doctors in cities that are first encountering, you know, these patients understand how they present. And so we realized that because we can both verify who you are and that you're a healthcare provider, we could set up like a private workspace on Slack only for verified healthcare providers where they could share information um, about, you know, trends and how how to reuse masks and all sorts of stuff. So we spun that up in like 48 to 72 hours. Um, Alan Linewall, the SVP of engineering uh, over at Slacks, amazing, Ally Rail um, as well. And then Stuart Butterfield was involved as well. And we've had over uh, 2,000 providers join in like the first 72 hours wow. after launch. So that was that's that amazing. Really cool.
1: Yeah, so really it seems like you you guys are I mean you're there to help and it sounds like you can jump right in. so that's amazing. Great stuff you've been up to. Uh, it's been really fun to watch as you. I remember when you first launched um, IDMe, and and to see you guys grow so much, to have that many users, and just continuing to to create a really unique um, identification online is is pretty awesome. So, congrats and and thank you for joining us today. You're really busy, and uh, best of luck with everything. All right, uh, next up we've got another great guest special guest another u.s veteran founder um we've got kimberly citizen she is the ceo of applied development uh applied development champions the rights uh of people of all abilities to work and communicate effectively through sign language and reading services advocacy and outreach so um they do a lot with with sign language uh and a lot with the federal government's uh sign language programs um to help make sure that anybody that's, that's following along um can can understand what's going on uh through these translations so um so she's also a inc 5000 entrepreneur and and they've grown their company uh, she runs her company with her significant other which is also really cool um and you know has done an amazing job so kimberly thanks for joining us
2: thanks for having me i'm excited to be here today
1: well wanted to dive right in i I wanted to dive in, in and kind of talk a little bit more about your background and then kind of start talking about your company. So can you share a little bit more about your, your experience? I know you're a veteran. Can you talk a little bit more about your military experience? And then uh, we'll kind of dive into how that led you to starting up.
2: So uh, my path to the military was a little bit of a, an interesting journey. Um, after high school, I, I actually got a full scholarship to uh, Loyola in New Orleans mm-hmm. and uh, ultimately kind of threw that away, chasing a boy. Um so I found myself after that at my parents' house with no job and no money and no more scholarship. Um, so my mom really encouraged me to try to get back in school, but of course I had no financing for that. So she s- suggested that I follow in the footsteps of some of my other family members and consider the National Guard. Um, okay. Yeah, so I, uh, I headed down to the National Guard office one day and for whatever reason, walked right past it and straight into the army recruiting office, and within minutes had signed up for active duty.
1: Oh wow! Um, so you didn't go to the National yeah. Guard;
2: <laughs> you went to the army. No. Oh wow! Yeah. I didn't even consider it, and I'm not even sure why. It just uh, literally the offices were right next door to each other, and I got pulled
1: into the army office, and wow!
2: And that's how I got my start.
1: Interesting. And what did you do with uh, within the military then?
2: So I, um, I signed up initially as uh, as part of the um, military intelligence doing SIGINT analysis. Okay. That was um, that was my MOF. Gotcha.
1: Okay. And then how did that lead into, so you, you ser- served for the country for a little while, and then how did that lead into, um, you know, starting up, starting this company?
2: Well, it was really interesting because after I, um, you know, I've, I left that experience with a lot of of knowledge about myself, I went in, you know, fairly young and not not knowing um, much about who I was or what I was capable of, like many of us in our, you know, late teens, early twenties. Um, but I left with a real understanding of of who I was and what my aptitude was, which I really needed because after getting out, um, to my surprise, it took me a really long time to find a job in my field. And having served in military intelligence, that really surprised me. I I was not anticipating that. It was really tough. Um, For about three years, I did everything from personal training to waiting tables. I was even a switchboard operator at one one point. Um, Yeah, so about three years later, I finally got a job with a government contractor. Working in a similar position to what I had in the military, uh, and I did that for about for about 12 or 13 years, um, and I worked primarily for very large um, consulting firms, integrator type firms, um, primarily at, in the Fort Meade area, um, and and learned a lot from those experiences, but was also incredibly frustrated by them. Um, there were lots of opportunities that were afforded to individuals that were connected to like corporate headquarters that were very different for those of us who were out on client site generating most of the revenue for the corporations. Um, and we were often like passed over for promotions and, and left out of things. So I I came home complaining a whole lot, (laughs) a whole lot. And, um, my husband who is an entrepreneur himself, would always you know would always recommend and suggest that I start my own firm and it took about three years for him to convince me um, that I was ready and 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 I could do that And for really quite frankly for me to get fed up enough to to to,
1: to launch. Well, fantastic and and you guys now run the company together, is that right?
2: That's right. We co-founded the company together in twenty eleven.
1: Twenty eleven. It's been great. about nine years. Wow! Congratulations. That's a that's Thank great. Thank you. And so, tell us a little bit more about what applied development does, and um, and maybe a little bit more how, how you got it, how you got the start into what you're doing.
2: Sure. So um, we like to say that we design better tomorrows for our customers and our employees. We empower people of all abilities to share their brilliance in the workplace. And we do that through our communication support services, um, and they're really they're really divided between between two core areas. One being the strategic, the the typical communication type services you might imagine, such as strategic communications, technical writing, graphic design, um, all that type stuff. And then um, what we call our reasonable accommodations portfolio, which is all about. Um, serving the community of deaf and hard of hearing, those who are blind or low vision, providing sign language interpretation services, reader services, and then doing outreach and advocacy for those groups as well. Wow.
1: Okay. So can you explain for the folks that are listening, like a little bit more about what that means? So what the client kind of, I guess, relationship looks like, like who comes to you for these services and how do you guys work with them? And then what do you, what do you offer?
2: So we are uh, 100% federal right now. So our our only customer is the federal government. We work in, um, in 23 federal agencies today. Wow. I'm sorry, 14 federal wow. agencies today. That's amazing. Um, yeah, yeah. We've had quite a bit of uh, growth over the last few years, so we're excited about that. Um, so the way that we acquire our customers, which I think is what you're asking, uh, a couple of different ways. Um, one, we have a number of socioeconomic designations, which in the world of GovCon um, creates a bit of a competitive advantage for us. And so the government will often come to us because of that and ask for our help in this area. And then the other way that we acquire customers is by actively seeking opportunities and bidding on RFPs and RFQs as, as they come out.
1: That makes sense. No, That makes a lot of sense. And, okay, um, can you tell us a little bit more about your... I think the listeners out there want to hear a little bit more about your your day to day. So you've run this company now nine years. That's amazing, and you've grown it quite a bit. Tell us like what the average day looks like for for Kimberly Citizen. Like, what time do you wake up? Like, what's your schedule like? you you know, not not probably right now because everything's you know work from home. But maybe in your typical day when this coronavirus stuff isn't happening, what does that look like? <laughs>
2: yeah so i am not what one would call a morning person <laughs> um so i'm i'm not one of the folks that are that are you know jumping out of bed at 5 a.m um i'm usually up around 7 7:30, and the first couple of hours of my day are really all about um a bit of self-care and being very intentional about the way that i start the day so i I meditate um, for about half an hour. I read for about half an hour. I um, do affirmations every morning. I'm not sure if you've heard of Wim Hof, but I do his breathing techniques. Um, for about 15 minutes every morning, um, I do the whole cold shower thing for about a minute. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've done it. It's hard. It can be really difficult to get in there when,
2: especially, especially in the when winter. It's cold yeah. yeah, when it's
1: cold outside. Yes, definitely.
2: Yeah. And I started that in the winter, so that's been kind of brutal, but, um,
1: it's supposed yeah. to be super good for you. Like the, it's, I mean, there's a lot of studies out there that say it's really healthy, healthy for you kills the, me- the bad mitochondria is that right
2: yeah yeah it's supposed to be um it's supposed to have many benefits my my stress levels over the past year year and a half in spite of our growth have like decreased tremendously and i attribute a lot of that to this to the couple of hours that i spend um every day being very intentional about how i'm going to start the day and how i'll spend my time for the day
1: That's really important, and especially in this time of, uh, you know, global crisis, I think that kind of stuff is super important. You know, like if you're not you should be doing four hours now instead of two maybe or, or whatnot. Absolutely.
2: I think my blood pressure would be through the roof right now if, if <laughs> our words being diligent and and right. like practices.
1: Yeah. Totally. Well, that's great. And that's a great tidbit for anybody listening that, you know, put yourself first, create the foundation and then and then obviously build a business from there. So okay, so you're you're in we're in a couple hours. We've taken care of all those things. Then you dive in. Um, anything else that you know kind of stands out as far as your day to day?
2: Yeah, so I start. That's the way I start my morning, and and I end that routine with you know determining my priorities for the day. Um, especially right now, those can change uh, prior to the situation that we're we're in. I'm primarily responsible on a day to day basis for for strategy and and business development. So much of my time during the day um, is spent on developing partnerships uh, cultivating relationships um developing strategy around our marketing and business development activities and ensuring that um our wonderful team is is executing
1: right that makes sense i guess um have you been impacted i mean or it, it, you know from the, the the impact of um this pandemic like have there been mm-hmm. things that have changed
2: Yes, so um, yeah. our sign language services make up about 30% of our total revenue wow. and um, those services right now have decreased by uh, 87% since this time last year. Wow. Um, yeah, so we're, we're certainly seeing an impact there mm-hmm. um, and we have pivoted our servid- service offering in that area a bit to include um, video remote interpreting. And so we're reaching back out to all of those clients, um, reminding them that we're still here, that we can still provide that service and offering mm-hmm. an alternative platform so that our deaf consumers still get to actively participate in the workplace, just like their peers.
1: Right. Can you actually explain how does that service work? So like if you're a uh, federal agency... What are they, where, where are you sending interpreters and like, how are they getting plugged into different components, I guess?
2: Yeah. So we, I mean, we have deaf consumers Mm and serving in various capacities all over the federal government. Um, and so we, we provide that service in two ways. One is for, and the most common for us is, is for employees of the federal government. And then the others are like patients in hospitals, VA hospitals in particular. Um, so for the for the first, you know, uh, uh, a deaf consumer who works for the federal government has the same day to day as everyone else. Only when they go to staff meetings and trainings, they need a little additional support. Uh, a reasonable accommodation is, is what what is technically called. Right. Um, and so that's where our interpreters step in, and they go to the staff meetings or the trainings or the conferences with the um, deaf consumer and provide that service so that they have the opportunity to participate in the same way as their
1: peers. Okay, that makes sense. Thanks for for helping with that and clarifying it for anyone that may not know the industry as well. Um, so with that, you know, with the you know the market being really interesting right now and the the current landscape of how things are happening, um, I know it's probably hard to think about short-term or long-term goals. But um, aside from that, what are some of your your short-term, long-term goals, and kind of where do you see the company going in the next five to ten years? I mean, you've been doing it for a while. It's amazing.
2: Yeah, so we, uh, you know, we we have begun to corner the market as a service-disabled, veteran-owned firm providing this ASL, this American Sign Language offering, particularly to the VA. So we want to extend that out to federal agencies. Eventually, we'd like to be the small business provider of choice in that arena for the federal government. We're actively working towards that goal. Um, and then one of the other things that I am I'm most excited right now about is that we're in the process of establishing um, Citigrack Ventures, which will be focused on bridging the gap for female veterans of color in the GovCon space. Mm-hmm. So our vision is for this to be this sort of hybrid incubator accelerator type model um, that will create, you know, that that'll create a highly selective um initial small core, co- cohort for an initial pilot that'll be about a year-long program will offer um, small investment, mm-hmm. be heavily focused on GovCon training um, and mentorship here in the DC metro area. And we're, we're finalizing our strategic plan for that and hoping to launch that in 2021. Yep. Um, so we'll be able to leverage all this great stuff that we've learned and all this expertise that we've gained in GovCon and then offer that um, to other women veterans of color who are looking to start their own GovCon firm.
1: That's amazing. Um, and, and really excited to, for that to launch. Uh, I think that um, you guys have such knowledge on this space. And I wanted to ask a follow up to that. Like, what is, you know, for those of you that are listening that are trying to get into this space, what are some of the things that you know, best practice tips, tricks that you you think might be good, easy, low hanging fruit for anybody listening, um, as they try to start a business in working with the government, particularly?
2: You know, I, I think it's a couple of different things. One being um, knowing yourself, and the other being understanding what you know and, and connecting with that. So, I started my career in the army. I was I was pretty young. Mm-hmm. Um, although I had already opened and closed a business, I was kind of uncertain about my future. And that time in the in the military, in the army, I really learned about my strengths and weaknesses, what I was good at, what I wasn't. I discovered aptitudes that I didn't even know that I had. Um, And so that knowledge of myself, I was able to translate into small business ownership. You know, it's been a great asset to me to understand what those are, those strengths and weaknesses are, and particularly to be able to to bridge the gap of my weaknesses Mm -hmm. and my co-founder's weaknesses through, you know, through additional resources and ensuring that the people that we bring in um, bridge those gaps for us. Um, it also helps us in managing the, the day-to-day challenges of a, of a of a small business.
1: Thanks so much, Kimberly. Uh, thanks for sharing that, and thanks for joining us today. Wow, those are two impressive U.S. veteran entrepreneurs. Really have built some amazing businesses in the last decade, and I look forward to continuing to uh, watch and support what they're up to. And as I mentioned earlier at the top of the podcast, we're excited to be looking for amazing founders just like those two that we just talked to uh, for our first ever .US Veteran Startup of the Year, which will be awarded at the 8th Annual Startup of the Year Summit produced by Established and taking place in the fall of 2020. So if you're a startup founder uh, that you know is a U.S. veteran yourself or you're, you have a spouse or a dependent uh, and you're, you're a spouse or a dependent of a U.S. veteran, uh, we'd love to, to have you apply and, and potentially be a part of this program. Uh, it's to honor U.S. veterans and their families. As we we um, partner with .us to offer this special cash prize, as I mentioned earlier, about ten thousand um, dollars to the winner of this this very interesting new competition. So, if you want to get uh, more details, uh, go to the application. It's uh, and find out more about what's going on with this program. It's the link is soty.link forward slash sotyusvet. So soty.link forward slash s-o-t-y-u-s-v-e-t vet so lots of uh lots of great companies have already applied and we're looking for as many as we can find so we can have the best set and and bring um some amazing companies and and award that ten thousand dollars cash to the winner so really great stuff and thank you all that have served uh the united states um in in as and our veterans out there i really appreciate it and obviously to the families as well because we know it's a commitment not just those that serve so thank you all all right before we sign off i wanted to share a little bit more about what we've been up to with some of our virtual events over the last month or so we've produced uh two virtual events and we've got another one coming up soon you can find out more details by signing up for updates over at the established website if you just go to est.us and then fill out the form you should get some updates about our upcoming events um, our next one is actually showcasing a handful of startups taking on the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, these are companies that have slightly pivoted or had products similar to, um, you know, similar to the areas that that were in need right now. And so it should be really interesting. Uh, if you can join us live, that would be amazing. On April seventeenth, twenty twenty. If you can't, don't worry. You can catch it later on our website as well as on our established YouTube channel, which you can also subscribe to all right so if you want to sign up and and be, and be registered for the event though and learn more about the participating companies in the virtual presentation uh, to attend this event live on well, live online that is uh, check out soty.link forward slash covid 19 again it's soty.link forward slash startups COVID-19 you can register there it's a free event we'd love to have you join us and interact with uh, the uh, virtual conversation that's happening um, as we're we're producing the event live should be a lot of fun all right well thank you again for listening to this episode Uh, some great conversations we had with these amazing u.s veteran founders we've got a great u.s veteran dot u.s veteran start of the year program that we're excited about and we hope you share the news about because we'd love to find the most interesting companies for that And uh, remember, keep on starting up.
0: Thanks for listening to the Startup of the Year podcast. Be sure to subscribe and we'll be back with another episode soon.